0: Greetings, listeners. Jonathan Harding here for another episode of Culture Club. I'm back within a reasonable time frame this week. I feel like that's an achievement. Um, <laughs> yeah, This week I've got a breakdown of VR and AR, two technologies that are more than just marketing buzzwords. In the simplest of terms, virtual reality, or VR, is a computer-simulated replacement of the real world. You put on a headset and you can't see the world around you. You're instead fully immersed in a virtual world. In practice, the earliest piece of what could be recognized as VR technology was patented in 1962 by cinematographer Morton Heilig, though he seemingly built it in the mid-50s. The Sensorama was an arcade-cabinet-style theatre, essentially, featuring stereo sound, a stereoscopic 3D display, a vibrating chair, fans, and smell producers. At least two of those technologies were pretty expensive at the time, It wasn't the smell producers. Heilig's contraption could stimulate all the senses, even if only to a lesser degree in terms of smell and touch. In 1960, he pushed virtual reality forward yet again, creating the Telesphere Mask, a head-mounted display, or HMD for short, featuring a stereoscopic 3D display and stereo sound. But this invention was non-interactive. In essence, you could get more or less the same experience by sitting really close to the TV, which, by the way, is a bad idea. Don't do it, it's not good for your neck. I would know. In 1968, computer scientist Ivan Sutherland took a crack at developing a VR headset. The Sword of Damocles was the world's first augmented reality headset. By the way, at the time there was no distinction between the two techs. Uh, We call it augmented reality now, but that's only really like a retroactive name. Anyway, featuring motion tracking, the headset allowed the wearer to see 3D wireframe models floating in the air. And this was great and all, but it was heavy really heavy. It needed to be tethered to the ceiling to support its weight, and it ran off of a computer the size of my bedroom. I'm not kidding, look it up, this thing's huge. For the longest time, VR tech was either tacky and not actually VR, looking at you, Nintendo Virtual Boy, or it was hilariously expensive and saw use less in the mainstream markets as an entertainment product and more in labs and universities for testing the limits of human perception. VR promised to revolutionize every field out there, everything from education to medicine to space exploration, but it never really seemed to deliver. It was clunky, expensive, the head tracking wasn't particularly fine-tuned, mo- movement sorry, was non-existent, motion sickness was common, resolutions were low, and refresh rates were even lower. After that, it seemed as if the technology had gone the way of the dodo, like it was a dead end and it would never be great. But, despite this public perception post-90s, VR would continue to improve even when no one was looking. Then came a Kickstarter campaign. In 2012, one Palmer Lucky, an 18-year-old entrepreneur who had by this point spent a few years tinkering with VR tech, launched the Kickstarter campaign for the Oculus Rift. A mere $250,000 was all Lucky needed to start production on the DK1, Development Kit 1. Just 24 hours in, the campaign had exceeded that goal, becoming one of the most successful Kickstarters ever, raising over 2.4 million US dollars by the time it came to an end. In 2014, Facebook bought Oculus for 2 billion dollars. If ever there were any doubts about its business viability, the industry is certainly booming, at least as far as investment is concerned. After crying wolf a few times over, the tech is finally here, and it's delivering on every promise. Wireless headsets, full-body tracking, stereo sound, which has been a standard for entertainment software and hardware since the 90s, but anyway. Haptic feedback, currently just in the controllers, though there are full-body suits in the market, that're just really expensive. A refresh rate of 90Hz has been something of an industry standard since 2015, and the price point, while still not fantastic, is certainly a lot better than it used to be. VR currently sees use in medicine, space exploration, education, workflow, engineering, architecture, art, and even military training. Then we have augmented reality, AR, also known as mixed reality, or MR. As mentioned earlier, AR was born when Sutherland built his Sword of Damocles, but while VR was developing and improving behind the scenes, AR was really basically non-existent and it only really started to enter the public consciousness in the mid-2010s, sometime just after the return of VR. Where VR acts as a replacement for the real world, AR is a different beast entirely. Instead, it supplements the real world, adding to it, aiming to act more as an enhancement to the reality we live in than a replacement thereof. Perhaps unsurprisingly, AR has been part of our lives for quite a while. Snapchat filters, Pokemon Go... It even sees a surprising amount of usage in television, especially in sports and news shows. AR's only real drawback is that it is such a new technology, the tech giants are only just starting to show interest in it in the last five or six years. And while the Google Glass may have failed, it seems Microsoft is all too ready to throw their weight behind the technology in the form of the HoloLens. That said, it looks like they've got competition in the form of Magic Leap. a a company sorry, founded in 2010. What they've shown promises to push AR forward at least a few years. This one little startup, like the demo actually looks a few years ahead of what Microsoft is doing, and I find that concept insane. One might be tempted to think that VR and AR are just passing fads, that the hype will die down and we'll all forget the tech again. But the important thing to remember here is that the underlying technology is far more powerful and a lot cheaper now than it was 20, 30, even 40 years ago. Meaning, they now not only deliver on their promises, but they're coming at reasonable prices too. Relatively reasonable, I'm going to add that in there. Relatively reasonable. Remember how smartphones seemed like they'd never take off until we got the iPhone? All we need right now is the right combination of a killer application, a fantastic product, a great price point, a really great price point, and consumer demand, which is somewhat already there, to really get AR off the ground. By current estimates, attractive VR and AR experiences will be commonplace by 2025. They'll be well-priced, and we'll probably struggle to imagine how we could ever survive without them. Uh, That said, just like as an add-on to the end of the script, I didn't write this bit down, uh, not too long ago, Facebook decided to like add a mandatory login, so for Oculus products, including the Oculus 1 and 2, you will need to log into Facebook if you want to use them. If you delete your Facebook account, you will lose anything and everything that you bought on the Oculus market. Uh, That's their uh, digital marketplace. So just bear that in mind if you are, let's say, concerned about... Privacy and Facebook's distinct lack of caring about that. Uh, The Oculus Rift 2 does feature what's known as pass-through, which means it has cameras on the front. Theoretically, you could put the headset on and still see your surroundings. Um, Facebook will now have access to that, though they technically do already have access to a camera. It's on your phone. Mm. Um, So if you are concerned about privacy, just bear that in mind. I do think the better product on the market at the moment is the Valve Index. It's a little bit more expensive. I think it's about $700 at the moment. But they are looking at lowering the price for the next iteration, and the tech is consistently improving. So there's always that. In any case, I hope you found this enjoyable. I'm sorry it's a little bit longer than last time. I will try to keep these short in future. In the meantime, this has been Jonathan Harding on Culture Club, signing off. Cheers.